commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Greg Scottback, and you're listening to Core World News, your Hornet news show for in-depth coverage and analysis for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Please rate, share, and follow us on iTunes, Twitter, and Instagram to keep us broadcasting galaxy-wide. Without further ado, here's your new segment rundown for October 3rd, 2019. Hollownet Headlines, Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. But first... The Rise of Skywalker preview issue of Empire Magazine has hit the newsstands. Inside, creative partners J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio, as well as Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy, discuss the exciting, daunting, and fateful process of crafting the final film in the Star Wars saga. Now for your host, Ben, Grant, and Adam to discuss. Thank you very much, Grex. Yes. Uh, so much news coming out this week. Um, lots of headlines to get to, but... Um, yeah, certainly the the most interesting and Grant, you brought that to our attention is the uh, the Empire uh, issue, special Star Wars um, uh, issue, and um, really, really new and interesting stuff there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot shared by both JJ and and Terrio about the kind of er, their early ideas, the the process of, of first being tapped to do the film, uh, and just these wonderful one wonderful insight into. The creative process and uh, something beautiful about that JJ brought up was instinctive storytelling. I thought that was really, really mm-hmm. cool that this wasn't a kind of buttoned down plan from the beginning. And there was there was there was leeway to improvise, to discover new directions and to figure out what worked in the moment. And I thought that was just so beautiful. And I and at JJ eventually at one point, I think he even says, you know, my revenge of the Jedi poster is yeah. uh, is evident that evidence that, you okay. know. Uh, you have to find what's right in the moment. And so I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, I, I just love JJ. He like there's so little pretense in what he does. He just he still seems to have that spark of just like creativity and love. He's he just seems like a grown up kid uh, that that just gets down to, to play with all these great ideas and, and, and create great things and um, really pretty interesting. And um but yeah, there was a couple of nuggets of information here that I, I hadn't seen before and I uh, kind of wanted to look into a little bit. One, and it's a lot that's come out this week, is the idea of like Kintsugi, which is mm-hmm. the uh, sort of, this is, you know, Kylo's helmet is now coming back in. And it's sort of, they, they spend some time on that in this article, sort of being like, well, Ryan smashed the helmet and then, you know, signifying a great change in Kylo Ren and then um jj put it back together again also signifying sort of his new um uh his new direction um what did you two get anything out of that do you do you sort of see any significance to or or what do you read into this method of rehealing that which was broken well you know i i actually love that the helmet's coming back and i don't think it's i think it's actually a natural progression from the Last Jedi, because here's my mind. He put the helmet on because he wanted to put the helmet on, right? Like, Snoke, it didn't seem like Snoke ever told him to do the helmet. Yeah. And then was completely negging him about it. And eventually he smashed it because he got taunted into doing so. And then once he got the the strength to surpass his master, of course he's going to reforge the helmet. Because that's his identity, right? It's not, it's not the identity given to him by Snoke. So I love the idea that it's reforged and that he's 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 kind of 
highlighting this journey he's had with this helmet, right? This this is this identity that it's not just back to what it was. He made he's showing that he made a conscious decision to reforge it. What do you think, re- Grant? Oh, I, I it's growing on me. I mean, I thought it was a bit strange at first when I first started seeing promotional mm-hmm. art. Yeah, film, and I saw the helmet, and there's kind of these, these fissures, it's kind of red fissures in the helmet, and I thought that was just kind of odd. And then now that you know JJ's brought up this, this Japanese art form and how it can, how it can connect to Kylo as a fractured soul and all this kind of stuff, it's just that's beautiful. And now it's growing on me, and now I absolutely love it, and I I can't yeah. see the film going. Actually, you know, I can see a, one other direction, and that could be that like Kylo's saber stabilizes, and he gets an even sleeker helmet, and like there's just a more refined deadliness to the character i think that could be an organic progression but this progression progression kind of just bring, brings home that that kind of his the themes that surround that character and the symbols that surround that character and i think that's that's great yeah i thought it was a curious move myself i i was just sort of like well yeah the helmet was cool and he wants it and so they're just putting it back together and me being the dim music movie watcher that i am i was just sort of like well i think they wanted it because it looked cool and they sort of brought it back but this the fact that, you know, as everything is in Star Wars, it's like a metaphor for, you know, some personal journey that the character is going on. Um, I think that's sort of fascinating that this is that this is coming out and that this is going to be indicative of what he is. I mean, I, 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 I don't really go along with what Adam was saying as an or, or both of you, if you're, you're both saying it's a natural progression. I, I think it's sort of crazy that like, I mean, for me, it would be like, oh, he made you know, he smashed this because like, uh, you know, yes, he you're right. He's totally like shamed into it. But um, it's interesting that he was like, no, I knew it was going on all along. And it's I think that in itself is a really interesting development. And that paired with the synergy with um, the Kylo um, comic that we just read, um, where he's sort of like he's got his own agenda in his back pocket, you know, that's different from Snoke. Um, and I, I, I feel like this, you know, being like, no, I'm, I've, I've got this mission. And now that Snoke's out of my way, I can really accomplish it. Um, is is fascinating, and and I can't wait to see you know why that is and what it is that he's going to do. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Kylo's source of power is his grandfather more than it ever was Snoke, and mm-hmm. I feel like, and and that he almost had a dual mentorship in that he a lot of times in private he would probably you know try to commune with his grandfather and maybe thought he was even doing so, and it's setting up this kind of own internal struggle or internal kind of indoctrination with whatever Vader was into that's kind of a whole separate part of the character that hasn't really been revealed yet. I feel like there's a lot more to explore with that part of the character. Um, And the Kylo we see with Snoke seems in the, in the force, it's actually, he has a very different demeanor in the first film in the force awakens versus the last Jedi. I think he's, uh, he's angered. He's, He's rash. He's impatient in uh, the Last Jedi, but um, in the Force Awakens, he's very much uh, kind of worshiping Snoke. He's very much trying to uh, please Snoke in any in any way possible. He's um, he's in servitude in, in the Force Awakens, and it feels very different from the Last Jedi. So it's kind of wavered back and forth. The, the whole side the whole side of the story, story with Vader is, is yet to be revealed. I think. And yeah. I'm excited about that, and I think the Me helmets too. back that and whatnot. Yeah. Right. That's sort of connecting into it. Right. Yeah, I could see him like really attracted to the power. Like he seems to have an inside track on like a motive for Vader that's much more than just Palp's attack dog. Um, like, you know, and, and now we're seeing with a lot of these Vader comics and video games that Vader has his own agenda. 
separate from Palpatine. Um, and it seems like Kylo's tapped into that and like, it's like almost virtuous in some way or Vader views it as virtuous. And I could see Kylo being like, you didn't, you don't understand my grandfather. Only I understand my grandfather, whether it's that's, that's from communing with him or some other just weird, weird adolescent thing. Mm-hmm. And he needed a new direction and sort of like away from his parents. Like he's sort of rebelling against, uh, Leia and Han. Um, but yeah, interesting. So, I, you know, just as one thing, and of course someone like mentioned, like actually, found the the japanese method of you know repairing pottery which i don't know why it has a word or why it's symbolic but of course you know it's a great callback because there were so many japanese influences to the original um trilogy that uh it makes sense to to use it here yeah um yeah a couple other things i just wanted to sort of zip through on this as well um I don't know. So another quote from uh, JJ was uh, the heart of Star Wars for me is a group of unlikely bedfellows on a yep. breakneck <laughs> adventure, um, says Abrams and the rise of Skywalker. It's the biggest and most dastardly threat the galaxy has seen. Oh, in rise of Skywalker, it's the biggest and most dastardly threat the galaxy has seen. I, for me, the word that stuck out was um, breakneck and it got me really excited for like a fast pace war ridden movie. That's uh, hopefully three hours long. You know, where it's just like yes, a lot yeah. of things happening, a lot of locations, a lot of action. That would be awesome. Right. And yeah. to con- continue that quote, he says, and in the rise of Skywalker, it's the biggest and most dastardly threat the galaxy has seen. The opportunity here was to have this group that has now become a surrogate family have to deal with the massive horror, the war to end all wars. Right. And I was like, that's this is going to be a massive film. This is going to be a massive war between the First Order and yeah. like, rising resistance. And it says, you know, and, not just on the outside, but on the inside, which right. is it's meant to be a challenge. And, and which to me says it's like, well, it's going to be a force battle. We're going to see our force heroes and we're going to see an actual war. Yeah. And that points that that line connects with my favorite photo in the entire spread, which is a tiny little photo on page 67. And it's with everyone standing outside of uh, the Falcon or, or we think, but it's just everyone's together. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm so excited to see these characters playing together, right? Like, we've been teased with their intersection for two films, and right. we haven't seen them work as a team. And so, like, yes, I'm so excited about the giant war. I'm so excited about all this, but I'm also really excited to see these characters finally actually have a relationship with one another. Yeah, this is a great ensemble. I think the sequel trilogy will be remembered for this ensemble. They're 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 so talented. Yeah. And they work so well together. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, that that's going to be fantastic. There's also a great picture there of uh, Chewbacca holding Babu. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably uh, talk about Babu Frick more later. So uh, we talked about setups a couple weeks ago, but um, there's a quote in here where uh, kind of this article boils down to the big kind of reveal of the rise of Skywalker, and that is the Palpatines back in the story. Yeah. And, and JJ says, you know, some people feel feel like we shouldn't revisit the idea of Palpatine, and I completely understand that. But if you're looking at these nine films as one story, I don't know many books where the last few chapters have nothing to do with those that have come before. If you look at the first eight films, all the setups of what we're doing in nine are there in plain view. It's funny that uh, that was the quote I was looking at that I was going to yeah. go to next. That's yeah, yeah. That's super important. So what do you think about this, both of you? Um, it made me want to go look at the prequels again and look at Palpatine and every scene that he's in and really digest what's around him. And uh, I thought I think that might be important. Also, those early plans, I think, uh, in in the prequel films might be of importance. 
So I've just been reading in bed, which makes sense because the bedtime story, the Skywalker saga by Delilah S. Dawson, which oh. came out last week, um, which is basically the eight episodes told in storybook form. Um, and at times I feel very immature reading it, but then the, the photos are amazing. It's told from the perspective of all the force users and it's really great. But it, what's interesting is she uses all the dialogue. So I, I just got through these, the prequel trilogy. Um, and that, and that, and that line in, um, you know, in the space opera, right. In the, in the Mon Calamari, uh, <laughs> opera where he's just like, there's only been one who is, who has been able to cheat death. Like he's clearly talking about himself, right, or his master. So it's just fascinating, right? Like that's that that line. Yeah, there's. I, I'd have to run to the other room and grab it because it's a, it's literally on my nightstand. But yeah, it says something along the lines: "There's only ever been one, or there's been one who's had that power." So it's not that 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 like like he he's clearly saying that that power exists to cheat death. Right. Um, whether it was him or Darth Plagueis, and let's assume it was Darth Plagueis. The next line is you and I can can work together to find that the safe Padme or something to that extent, right? So, so the fact is he he had Vader to work with for eighteen twenty years to try to figure out this power. Yeah. So it, it just makes sense that he's back in some form. Yeah, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, I interpreted that as he was like, oh, he, you know, he. I thought he was talking about his master, and then he was like, mm-hmm. and then he explained that he killed his master. Right. And, and he's like, and he taught his apprentice all he knew, and, you know, which was his downfall, and the apprentice killed him asleep. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. yeah, that's also in there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. I, I guess I wasn't even looking at that. I was sort of, when I saw that, I was like, oh boy. I, I instantly thought of uh, episode eight um, because I don't know, like, when you go through episode eight and you sort of like scene for scene, it all, like, it all makes sense. And we've talked about this on other episodes, but like, Every decision that he makes, every action that's happens in that movie ties back directly to what, you know, to other things in the series. But it's a bit of an Easter egg hunt and um, and it's and it's frequently very esoteric. So I thought of that. But you thought of, you know, much more obvious. That makes a lot of sense. Right. How if you read those, if you read those old legends, uh, handbooks, the Book of the Sith and things like that. I mean, there's a whole chapter at the very end of the Book of the Sith where Palpatine goes into detail about the dark transfer and resurrection and returning to be this, the Sitharian rule in an eternal empire, an empire that will span, will, will go on for an eternity. Um, so I, that, that's just, and that's all from the character's point of view. So, I mean, we're, I, and I don't think he's going to be called Palpatine in the film. I think they're going to refer to him as Sidious. I think throughout yes. the Skywalker, this character will be referred to as dark. Oh, that'd be really cool. I'd yeah, really... I, I think, and again, episode eight set that precedent, right? Like, right. that's how he's referred to by Luke. Luke doesn't call him Palpatine, he calls him Star Sidious. Yeah. yeah. Um, so would it be more interesting if he was was he alive in the span of 30 years between the original trilogy and, and the sequel trilogy, That, or that maybe he's, maybe we're in media res and he's going to, the resurrection's going to happen in the, the, the running time of this film. Like, we're actually going to get to the, resurrection in the second act or something like that and he actually comes back in the film i think it will have to have already happened and he'll just okay. be there and because it would be sort of because I, I feel like he must be pulling the strings a lot of movies do that though what show it on screen uh, well they just kind of open a compartment and the mastermind is is alive you know he's been alive right. well. yeah 
Yeah, uh, it's tough, right? I just, I just, if Palpatine's really figured out how to cheat death, my theory is what's 35 years, right? Well, to, to conquer the galaxy, he's just sitting there in the wild, in, you know, unknown regions, just waiting for the perfect time. Right. I think that I think it's it would be better if he's if the re- the resurrection ritual happens in the film because a lot's been made of this bond between Rey and Kylo. That bond is very very important. It feels like maybe that bond will play into the magic that's needed to resurrect Palpatine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's w- like something that they're they're working towards. I would like that better, honestly. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, give the movie a lot more gravity and. Um... Yeah, and it'd be like in this grand like re-entrance into you know, I mean because we've got that image of all the old star destroyers fleet like you know hundreds of them, um, and it's sort of like you know maybe it would be cool if they all sort of arrived and this you know fleet arrived or whatever, and I mean it just sort of the only thing that that fits sort of oddly into all of that is um, uh, Operation Cinder, which was like right. why would you waste all those resources? Well, that's another key reason well, for why I don't think he's alive because I feel like the sentinel, like his presence hasn't left the galaxy. Like those sentinel droids are still like his algorithmic self, that yeah. kind of AI version. Oh of yeah, still a very much a, a large presence in the galaxy. I don't yeah. think he's ever really left. But to actually come back in physical form, it might count on Ray and Kylo. It might, might you know that that bond between them might be powerful enough to bring him back. Right? What, what if AI? Oh, I was just gonna say, what if they're yeah. not AI? Like, what if that's actually Palpatine somewhere, like, controlling these droids, but making you think they're AI? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That'd be interesting. They've kind of laid that groundwork as a possibility in the books, because they just sit there and observe and react to things. Like, they seem more <laughs> than just... But, yeah. I, I mean, it might just be as simple as as as, as Kylo is, is going to... Kylo is the one resurrecting. You know, he's he's been on this hunt... Yeah, and, and resurrecting, and that's—I mean—it makes sense. That's why the Darth Death Star two comes into play, right? Because if there's ever a place where you can gather enough dark side energy of the person trying to resurrect, what better place than where that person died, right? Yeah. And turned into. So maybe it's just that simple, right? And that's the second act is him trying to resurrect his grandfather's old master. Yeah, yeah. and that would be great. That would be a really cool thing. You know, that's that's the that's even a bigger kind of reversal uh, from the Last Jedi than. A helmet or anything like that, in my opinion, because yeah. I think I think Kylo says, "Let the Sith die," in you know, the Jedi, the Sith. I think he. I I want to I want to understand that that reversal. That's kind of that's more interesting to me. So that line, yeah, that'd be interesting. That line there always to me reads as I'm saying whatever I can to destabilize <laughs> Ray. Right. right. I mean, yeah. Definitely. That's why I don't. I, it just seems like Sith lies. I don't trust that that whole diet, that whole diatribe at all. See, I, I think I think Kylo is a pretty sincere character. Like that's mm-hmm. the weird part of a, how I view that character is. I I I, I never read him as being uh, uh, untruthful. Like I, it's yeah, it's weird. I don't know. He's different from the <laughs> others. And Vader as well. I never viewed Vader as someone who would lie or be uh, uh, untrustworthy or, or oh, he speaks. He speaks so literally that it ends up with you. <laughs> yeah. Getting yourself into yeah. real bad trouble. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I don't pick up on that. So that's interesting. That's I do think that he was kind of a, you know, it was definitely the, the young minded brat, like brash kind of crazy yeah. outrage. Like he, it was definitely, I definitely saw that in the performance, but I never, I never thought he was lying per se. I did think he was trying to manipulate Ray, influence her, turn yeah. her, but yeah, not, not in a kind of, I, I feel like, you know, he's still 
he is still himself traumatized that his uncle was going to kill him. Like there's a lot going on with that character that's different from a lot of the other Sith characters and things like that yeah. we've read up. Yeah, it uh, makes a lot more sense to me that Kylo would be trying to stop Snoke from resurrecting the Emperor mm-hmm. than to to then assisting to him. I mean, because if I because I, I agree, like we said earlier, that you know, his alliances um lie with Vader. And Vader I don't really think had any alliances to Pal- to Sidious. I think, you know, he 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 had something that Vader wanted, and um yeah. and then and you know it cost Vader everything. And you know I think from the moment he put the suit on, he was you know scheming to kill the Emperor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I feel like Snoke. I feel like Snoke is going to be revealed to be on the side of the Emperor. It's not like he was trying to waylay this re- resurrection, in my opinion, because he took the title of Supreme Leader. He didn't take the title of em- Emperor or anything like that. He didn't try to... Uh, he didn't try or, to... Yeah. Or Darth. Empire. Yeah, or Darth, yes. I don't, I don't right. think... Yeah. It's fascinating that we're two movies into this sequel trilogy and, and no one's taken the title of Darth yet. Yeah. It would be That's, interesting if there's like, you know, if, if Sidious calls him Darth Snoke or something like in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dying for a good lightsaber fight. And oh, we're going to get it. Someone to be, and a lot of Darth Sidious being thrown around. Like, that's what I'm dying for in The Rise of Skywalker. That's going to make the lack of a lightsaber duel <laughs> in episode eight so much more delicious. <laughs> because, yeah. like, imagine watching this in a, in a thing and you're like, I love the, the, the throne room scene in episode eight. It's amazing. But imagine you're just like, you get the kind of quick one at the end of episode seven and you just know it's building this giant one. Like it's another movie and a half away. Like, Oh, I can't wait. Like, I know I'm pumped. And that well, takes a lot of team. shapes too. I mean, we still have dark side Ray teased in here and I don't have the direct quote, but JJ was saying like, there's, we're going to do a lot of things that surprise you. And any referred to dark side Ray, he's like, I'm going to let that lie. But that was one of the things, you know, that, yeah. that's one of the things that will. And I mean, which made me believe, I don't know. And he also said that, like, you have Kylo moving towards the light, being pulled, drawn to the light and Ray being drawn to the dark, which we yeah. saw a little bit, but not as spelled out as literally as it was in this article. Um, and it'd be yeah. sort of interesting. Uh, but well, remember, like uh, a couple episodes back, we were talking about how interesting it would be if Kylo was being, you know, mentored by Force Ghost Luke throughout the film. And it's kind mm-hmm. of this odd mentorship you've never seen in the Star Wars film, which is a dark side character being, I guess, chastised, but also taught by a force ghost yeah i was like that would be so interesting Um, yeah just always haunted by his uncle (laughs) like like, i mean he said he almost says that's what's gonna happen right at the end of episode eight like doesn't he say see you around kid see you around kid yeah like like, great like that's it'd be amazing if he was just i think i talked about this way back like when we did our episode eight coming out like i want i want luke because it's so luke to just haunt the hell out of Kylo, and and then for a good reason, right? But just always be there. Like I'll never let you forget what you did. <laughs> I think this movie is going to be like Deus Ex, like Lukina, because I feel like yes. he's he, he at the very end of this film, Ray and Kylo are going to be in a bad spot, and the Emperor is going to be have the upper hand, and I feel like that Force Ghost hand is going to come down and pick up Kylo and like pick up Ray. Like I am guarantee you guys, that's what's going to happen. Oh, I'm crying. I literally am almost crying right now thinking about that. Like that's because like the Yoda reveal in episode eight, yeah. like almost made, me, almost made me cry immediately. <laughs> I eventually cried while watching, but it was almost immediate yeah. tears just seeing Yoda. 
And that, like, if they wait for that, like, third act, Luke Force Ghost just coming in with it. Oh, my. I like, I'm literally giving myself chills right now. Oh. That's why it's called The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. He's still around and he's going to save these heroes at the end. Yeah. But maybe that's too much weight on Luke's character. And I know there's a lot of fans out there who might disagree with what I've seen and all that. All it's that literally called he's the Skywalker saga. <laughs> yeah. It's called Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Can you put too much weight on Luke Skywalker? Like, I think he's the chosen one. Yeah. Obi-Wan said he's the chosen one, so I agree. All right, uh, so we figured out the ending, guys. And that's, nice. that's just, that was just spitballing. Oh, good. No need to see the movie now. Uh, so <laughs> I have two quick other things from the article that I want to hit up. I know we're kind of going hot, but a couple things I think is interesting. I am less certain now if Knights of Ren are actually uh, dark side users. Right. I agree. Yeah. I, if you read that description. Yeah, you go yeah. for it. Uh, a nightmare squad of enforcers who do the bidding of the former Ben Solo, a ragtag band of thugs and killers decked in black, just like their leader. And then it just kind of talks about the specifics. But it's just interesting, right? Like nowhere along the line, uh, along the way, do they actually say anything about force users or anything about that. That might be a step too far to sort of to give away. You know, maybe they don't want to come out and say that because that reveal is going to be powerful um, if true. Yeah, yeah. I so want them to be the students from Luke's Academy, but uh, yeah, like lesser powers. That would be really yeah. cool. I so want that, but it's it's a lot. It's 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 hard to take the kind of force user role that Kylo serves and Ray serves away from them and have with other characters, you know, also have the force. It, it, that might be tough to do. Yeah, but it would be really cool. Like, I mean, then it would it would sort of give you the scale of how strong Kylo and Ray are. If you had maybe some, you know, some new recruit force users on the light side and then you have the Knights of Ren and like they can all sort of muddle around in the force. Um, but then, you know, you can see Kylo and Ray move mountains. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah, that'd be cool. So that has to get paid off, right? Because, I mean, the Knights of Ren were mentioned in the first film. And um, yeah, yeah, we need to see them at this point. So that's super. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. If nothing else, they look cool. Oh, geez. Um, any any other quote that stuck out to you, Adam? Because I have a couple, too. Um, th- the one right at the end, talking with Chris Terrio, and I just Googled the movies that Chris Terrio wrote, and now I'm very, very worried about uh, Star Wars. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, sorry. He wrote Argo, Argo, which is awesome. And then yeah, his next... Do you want to pen <laughs> or cringe you know what the next two movies are? Batman uh, versus Superman? Yeah, yeah, and then Justice League, but hey, they were they were troubled uh, from the start. Uh, literally, it won the Golden Raspberry for uh, the that movie Superman won Golden Raspberry for worst screenplay, so that's cool. Um, but hey, Argo's amazing. Um, but he Argo says, was great. Argo was amazing. I'm choosing to purge my mind of that of that knowledge at this point. I will never look him up again. Um, but you know, hey, people have duds. So anyway, back to what I was saying. His quote at the very end is, when I was a, a kid watching Return of the Jedi on loop, and then it goes on and on there. It's an interesting ending, right? Like, this is a person who grew up watching, as as I did myself, Return of the Jedi was like my movie as a kid as, on a loop. Do you think that's going to inform what we're getting here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that he would quote, like, sort of the, the finale of the first trilogy. Yeah, in that in that way uh, specifically. I mean, I, I I mean, I don't know too many like oh, Return was the best movie, people. But no, but it was my favorite as a kid. 
was it really oh yeah even, yeah even more than uh even more than empire huh oh yeah yeah when i was like between ages of like five and, and 12 like yeah because i mean it's fun and there are like muppets walking around all over the place like it's great right <laughs> i mean i love it i, I love yeah. it very much but um yeah i mean it was always empire was it was like I'd watch A New Hope. I'd be like, awesome. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to watch Empire right now, no matter what else is going on. And then like after that, I'd be like, OK, I, I'll watch it, uh, Return later. Do I hear something kind of crazy? I would skip Empire when I was a kid. You. I'd, wa- I'd watch I, when I was a kid. I'd Audible watch gasp. Hope. I'd watch New Hope and then I'd go to Visible Confusion. Visible Confusion. Because it was so <laughs> sad. It was so sad to me as a child. Like I just would get like I would get I would cry at that movie. And so, like, I would just be like, nope, I just want the happy ones. The first one and the last one. And now, I like, I mean, I mean, I know Empire is amazing. It's, it's one of the best movies of all time, of course. And I love it. But, like, as a well, kid, yeah. Well, I can tell we're all, very, we're all very different because I watched The New Hope on loop over again. So that's hilarious that I was, <laughs> Ben was Empire and you Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and whenever I think about the payoffs of the like the final film in a trilogy, I always think about the first, uh, you know, episode in the trilogy, uh, The Force Awakens, uh, in this instance. And I always feel about that. And I always look at the first scene of the of the, the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I think Laura Santeca's statement that Kylo Ren is going to pay off in the final film here. I think, why would you put that in the beginning of the film if it doesn't pay off in the final film? And that is that, you know, you can't deny the, the truth, you know, of, yeah. that, you you the the first order rose from the dark side you did not like that that has to get paid off like he has to be redeemed he has to turn good and we also know one thing was planned from the beginning and that is kylo's ending uh yeah adam driver has gone on record saying he knew where the character was going uh from the from the start of filming so interesting because i mean because this jj is like well i didn't really know you know i just sort of you, you hand it off he it really seems like he did not think it would be carried forward at all. And I imagine after seeing what Ryan did with everything that it could have gone in a very different direction, but that's interesting that he was like, no, I've got an arc for you. Yeah. I think Kylo's breaking good. And I think the emperor coming back was always in the cards. I'm just the Kylo. I'm not sure about a hundred percent on that, but I, I definitely the emperor Kathleen has talked about that, but he was, they always knew he was going to come back. Which we've talked quite a bit about even before that was announced, but you have to tie them all together. Right. I mean, you have this big bad in in what five out of your nine movies, so five out of your eight movies so far. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought Snoke was going to play a bigger role. I didn't think it was going to cut down in the second film. I thought I thought there was going to be a Snoke and Luke conflict that was going to tie to the Emperor in a major way, but yeah, it didn't we, need the Emperor's involvement. But but yeah, yeah we all yeah. we all did right. None <laughs> of us were expecting that scene. Yeah, right. so, but it made it exciting and it was surprising. And I think you know the way that that could still add to this is be like, oh, he was just a paper tiger. And then there's this like this immense other terrible forces. Like they really need to introduce some some weight to like how bad the antagonists yeah. are. First order. It, and it's just funny that a new direction led to an old connection. You know what I mean? Well, like that's, that's kind yeah. of funny in my mind. So I I put a I don't put so much weight in this. We didn't know where things were going. Line. Um, <laughs> I, I I tend not to buy that with a franchise of this size. That that right. not right. every every single thing was was scripted out but like a loose like this is this is how we end this is the end point right right, right. and so i'm sure whatever ryan was doing kathleen had to look at and say 
yeah, that's fine. That that's we can still get to the end with what you're doing, right? Like you, right. you can, and and I feel like again, not to bring any Breaking Bad, but I feel like it's a very Vince Skilligan thing that that Ryan Johnson's goal was to get it, make it as difficult as possible to get to the ending. Yeah, for but Colin still, Trevorrow, and then ultimately JJ. Yeah, but, it but it's still being... possible, right? Like still yeah, pushing right. because I think that makes for interesting storytelling to be like, let's let's really make this yeah. challenging. Yeah. And JJ was the executive producer on all of these. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, that, that just means like, he's got to get credit for the fact that he wrote the ending to this. So yeah. 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 Very interesting. And there, there's that one quote where JJ says, you know, the story's alive. You have to listen to it. And I, I totally agree. I feel like the story is totally an organism comprised of those people in the story group and the, the business leaders over there with commercial sensibilities and, and asking all those people what their thoughts are on the saga, as well as the creator, you know, George Lucas. And, and the, the story is everyone knows the story. Like, yeah, it's not a surprise to anyone, the story of Star Wars. And so you can just take a tally of everyone's thoughts on where, what direction it should go. And then, you know, build your own story from there. And that's just, it seems like even if there wasn't a plan, we all it's it's an old it's an old myth it's an old fairy tale like we all kind of know which direction it should go yeah yeah can i actually read those two paragraphs really quick that you just mentioned because they were my two favorite and i think it's like really insightful into what like to jj just like him as a person and a oh yeah creator. so it's the this the story is alive and you have to listen to it he says when you land on something that gives you the chills and we've heard this with other people too uh, the chills. It's the only way you know it feels right. Or actually, I just watched a documentary about um, screenwriters, and they they say that too. It's like it has to. If if like a score doesn't give you the chills, then it's like not good enough. And yeah. it sounds like self serving, but um, anyways, that's the only the way. Ether, you know man. It. The ether is real, man. It is. You know, when you're creating, it's just like it's got to be like, yo, that's that's amazing. Um, so that's the only way you know it feels right. You can just deconstruct it all you want and try to make sense of how you found it, but somehow it finds you. He pauses, reflecting for a moment. I don't know how to explain it. Just the way I can't quite explain how we had this footage of Carrie that we're using. You can say, oh, well, it's just luck. It just happened to be. But it feels like something else. And I I neither can nor want to explain any of it. And I don't know. That just made him sound whimsical and fun and just like still like I'm just making art and it just feels good. And I love doing this. And you know, and it just came together the way like I wanted to make a great movie and a great movie came together. Um, and, you know, and it, it's sort of awesome. And there was a, a page earlier, you know, he was like, I've always loved the start of something, says Abrams, because of what it promises. Endings are hard. A great ending not only needs to honor everything that's come before that, whether it's a novel, a series of films, you want it to have it feel like it could end no other way. Yeah. And so, I mean, that pretty much describes how he went about how we went about, you know, making this movie. And I, you got to feel pretty good about that, right? Yeah. And when he talks about having that, that layup, that leftover layup footage from The Force Awakens, he always remarks on, you know, how serendipitous it, it was to have that and how it works perfectly with the story. And, uh, and it, just, it just goes to say how, how fateful this experience is for JJ. And, it's, and he even talks about how it, be, how it is most definitely the most daunting thing he's ever done, yeah. as, as it should be, as it would be for yeah. anyone. And um, but he talks about how exciting it is. And so his positivity and his optimism, I think, are so amazing. I think that's the best part. That's the best aspect or you know trait you can ask for in a director is that optimism and that excitement and that ambition. I think that's that's he's incredible. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean he, sorry, yeah, go for it, Adam. I was going to say he sold this movie, a movie that didn't need it. Does that make sense? Like he I already thought I was excited as I could be about this, but just hearing him talk about that just makes me so excited to see what he came up with. 
Right. And we, you know, we sort of made fun of a couple of Terrios, you know, not best <laughs> offerings. Yeah. But I mean, the, there's a lot to be said that JJ was like, I need you. Like, you're yes. the guy. And then instantly they started geeking out on this together. Like, <laughs> the Martha what? moment was huge for JJ. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, no, here's what I'll say. If the man wrote Argo and then literally his next movie was Batman v Superman, Batman v Superman was not his fault. Because if he has right. Argo in him, like, honestly, like, I don't want to get into the whole DC universe thing, but my guess is that the script that went for shooting did not look very much like the script he turned in. Right. Yeah, I'm sure with a movie that big and let's face it, DC has its problems like it's probably not his fault. And let's let's also face it like JJ probably knows can look at the is looking at the body of work that he's done and is saying, no, that guy's a great, you know, you know, yes. singular talent that's working on the thing. And like we're, the, what we think about, like, well, yes, you've laid these, you know, eggs on these other two movies are, are is irrelevant really to his experience. Yeah, I agree. So I'm stoked. It'll be great. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, but there were like a hundred other news items that we haven't gotten to. Yeah. And we've been talking <laughs> for 40 minutes. Let's uh, jump okay. into HoloNet headlines. Right. Nice. All right, so uh, today uh, there was an article that came out that, that's all about Obi-Wan movie, uh, the Obi-Wan show, should I say, and uh, Deborah Chow has been tapped to direct, and Hossein Amini is writing. Uh, Hossein's credits are, uh, he, he wrote Drive, mm. uh, he wrote Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, he currently, I think, writes The Alienist, the show The Alienist, it's a oh, it's amazing. series. I've yeah. heard very good things about it, yeah. Yeah, but Drive, I love Drive. I thought the script was great in Drive. Yeah. Uh, though it's very sparse of dialogue. I mean, <laughs> the main character doesn't doesn't talk a lot in that in that film, but I thought the lines were meaningful when said. And I thought, uh, yeah, and that might be what Obi-Wan needs, right? It needs to be almost a quiet movie where this guy's a hermit, like yeah. in the deserts. Like, he's probably not talking a lot. And if he is, he's probably doing Jedi mind tricks and, and the like just to get by. <laughs> I want, right. I want episode one the first half of episode one to be no dialogue whatsoever. Right. And it's just showing showing what Obi-Wan is doing on Obi-Wan, his daily routine. You know what I mean? Like just his seclusion. And like when he talks to someone, it's almost like a surprise that he has to speak again. You know, like he's just so not used to talking. Yeah. You like cast away, like in tattoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Right. And, um, uh, Oh, Joel Edgerton was being interviewed recently. Uh, (laughs) And he was he was quiet on the uh, the comment. Uh, quiet. To, not, he did want to comment on the Obi Wan show and, and kind of uh, makes makes a lot of people think that he's going to be in it. He's going to be reprising the role of Owen Lars in the show. So oh, he's cool. super talented actor. Yeah, great yeah. to see some scenes between him and Obi Wan uh, and Ewan McGregor. Yeah, uh, so that's really cool. Oh, that would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, that'd be. And great. It'll be fun to see him kind of halfway between. You know the 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 Lars we in in episode three or two and three, and then the Lars we see again in episode four. And like yeah. it'll just be good to see him, you know, a bit grumpier. <laughs> yeah, it'll age him a little bit, maybe. Yeah, you know, weathered from uh, from harvesting the moisture evaporators or whatnot. Um, yeah, so uh, Jose and uh, Deborah Chow, obviously super talented, uh, comes yeah. from the the kind of streaming uh, TV world. Uh, she's directed every show you've seen. Like, I've looked at her filmography. <laughs> it's like every show you've watched on any streaming service, I guarantee you Deborah Chow has directed an episode. And, uh, yeah, it was it was astounding to look at Mr. Robot. Um, 
Better Call Saul, uh, you know, um, so many shows. Uh, what else do we have on there? Adam, you know, you know a few of the shows. Yeah, uh, Jessica Jones. Um, that's all I can add. <laughs> American Gods, the Man in the High Castle. Oh, right, American. Oh, oh Man in the yeah. High Castle. Wow, that's yeah. just got some range. Yeah. So it's two people with a lot of ground. They Iron Fist, Tyrant, The Vampire Diaries. I mean, she's just directed so much TV, and so I mean, this project couldn't be in better hands. And best of all, she directed a few episodes of The Mandalorian, I believe. So I, mean, I don't know if it's more than one or two, but um, I was I was thought to, I, I thought to, I I think I, I think it was three. I think she directed three or three or so episodes. Cool. Yeah. Well, she's used to directing kind of high cost cable television, right? Like she she yeah. knows how to make that those limitations work for her. I mean, that I think she directed in the second season of Jessica Jones, which um, is is definitely slower than the first season, but um, the directing in that in that season was amazing. And uh, I'm trying to figure out which episode she did, but they're all really good. So I'm so excited to see what she's she's doing. Yeah, so super exciting. I mean, that's couldn't ask for a better creative duo, um, Deborah Chow and, and Hussein Amini. I think this is the perfect. These are the perfect. Uh, I, I, we know um, there were other directors attached previous uh, when it was. I think I think it was planned to be a film uh, for a little bit. Uh, at one point, there was there's was talk of it being a, a Star Wars story, one of those kind of films. Um, but uh, now it's a show, so that's fun. Um, cool. What's interesting about that, just real quick, is so that's the only person who's been talked about so are we to assume she's directing all six to eight episodes or do you think they're going to split it up like the mandalorian i bet I they'll split it up i uh, think split it up yeah i think it's it'll probably be like well we know deborah chow is going to do it <laughs> you know like and then yeah. you know she's like oh yeah i'll do that you know i'll do a couple or whatever and then like they'll probably be other ones i, I feel there's going to be a lot of people that want to do this same as the mandalorian but it's like oh i would think so yeah yeah, yeah and why not take advantage of some different perspectives it's just going to make the show much more rich that's true. Uh, cool. So next news item is the first image of Babu Babu Frick was revealed on the Star Wars show. Uh, did you guys watch the Star Wars show this week? I didn't. No. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I just caught the image and um, might be cuter than a porg. I would say cuter than a porg. I think this is my, my, my <laughs> cutest, my new cutest character. I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put uh, Grant on blast for a second. In fact, he texted us Babu Frick. Greater than sign, porg. Yeah. <laughs> disagree. I strongly, yeah, strongly disagree. Nothing disagree. is cuter than a porg ever at the end, except for maybe my dog. Uh, my dog kind of looks like a porg. Uh, so we'll see what he sounds like. We'll see what he sounds like, and then we'll, we'll talk again. It's it's Jim Henson to the max. Like it, yeah. it, it feels like episode six stuff in a good way, and I mean in a good way. Like it just, I can't wait to see this character. Yeah. Did you see like so they they did show sort of a close up view of him, you know, meddling with some uh, droids. But um, in the Esquire layout, did you see there's a picture and I mentioned this earlier of Chewbacca raising him into the air and like looking at him, like giving him the, <laughs> um, the that's actually, look in his eyes. <laughs> that, that's actually that's actually his son. What? That's no, not it's Bob Bob. It is. It's it's Yoda's son. Because on the thing it says, yeah, and Chewbacca's had plays with his son on set. <laughs> it's one hundred percent his child. Oh, yeah. it, it's it's Junus's child. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was. Just, <laughs> I thought it was Bobby Brick. 
I was like, I what else is that, that side? Thanks, Ben. You ruined the movie for me. Now I need that. Too. <laughs> I mean, in my defense, you can't yeah. see his face. <laughs> yeah. After he fixes C-3PO, Chewbacca just holds him up like Simba. She's like, oh. I also like he was that. looking right at my. I thought he was like scrutinizing him, and be like, "What is? What are you?" <laughs> you know, just be like, "I'll rip your like, arms off if yeah, I want to." <laughs> um, well, what he is is a tiny Anzellan droid smith uh, that works among the spice runners of Kijimi and can reprogram or modify virtually any droid, regardless of the security measures protecting its systems. That's all the information we got. Could yeah. be a lot of ramifications that. I mean, are we gonna get like a uh, like a Men in Black thing where he's just inside C three PO running? Around <laughs> that's that's why he has those red eyes because he's We're being creating like, a lot of great it. scenes and great moments tonight. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, I do know that the Black Series C three PO comes with a detachable uh, uh, headpiece that uh, wherein you can open up his guts and get to his circuits and things like that. And he comes with Babu Frick. So oh, it looks wow. like that. Bob, yeah, so it looks like Babu Frick is yeah. tampering with C-3PO's programming. That might be the one. That might be the uh, Black Series I go for, along with the other 20. But but that's the one I'm really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah. Well, I'll definitely be picking that up. Does everything release uh, tomorrow or at midnight tomorrow? I'm not too sure. Uh, everything releases at midnight tonight. Um, okay. And not to get too in the weeds, but uh, unfortunately, living in the Northeast, there are no midnight openings uh, for whatever reason. The only store that's doing midnight openings uh, are Walmarts, and the closest one's in Virginia. Wow. Well, good hey. luck, Virginia. But, <laughs> Guys, but I, <laughs> I did buy some old Black, uh, black uh, Series figures for $7 at Walmart a couple nights ago because they're getting rid of their old stock. Nice. Ooh, what'd you get? But, I got. I just texted you guys actually when we were talking. I got a sweet old Ben Kenobi. I am so excited. Uh, and uh, and uh, Krennic. I got a Krennic. Ooh, yeah. Is that a Bantha stick? Oh no, it's his lightsaber. Yeah, the lightsaber. Wow. Cool. Cool. Um, next news item. Uh, uh, the uh, first chapter. I led to believe the first chapter of the Resistance Reborn novel. By Rebecca Roanhorse uh, was is previewed on the StarWars.com website, so you can go read that excerpt there. And uh, I read it; I thought it was interesting. And uh, I, I think actually, I think I, we picked out or we talked about before the show started was uh, that I think there's some overlap with the Charles Sewell comics. Uh, yeah. it, it seems to be that the Grail City uh, event in those in those comics carry over into this novel, which is super cool and such fun integration and overlap. So. Synergy, almost. Yeah, synergy. You would say synergy. Um, pretty entertaining. Uh, Leia and Ray, Leia and Ray talk for a good duration. Uh, then they communicate. They they uh, get a call from Poe. He talks about the Grail City um, uh, attack, and um, then at the very end of that excerpt, Leia uh, comments or, or at least ponders to herself about the ocean of Octu. And Ray's connection to Luke and Ray seeing water for the first time and oceans uh, just come into focus in the last bit of that chapter, which immediately led me to think that she's going to eventually contact the Moncala and go to Moncala and, and you know build up this new fleet, right? Like the, the resistance has to do something major; they have to get a fleet, or maybe maybe Lando's on a beach somewhere, like running a resort or something like that. <laughs> or just, <laughs> or just on a beach, just <laughs> sipping pina coladas or space pina coladas. <laughs> That'd just be a retired. Great, uh, that'd be a great cut. 
<laughs> just cuts right to Lando just yeah. on retirement. Tatooine sunsets. <laughs> yeah, so that was a fun little excerpt. Uh, definitely go read that on the site. Um, I want to read it over again because I, there's probably a bunch of stuff I missed. But uh, Galentin, Galentin T comes back, and I'm very happy about that. I love nice. how much calf. It's like you it's definitely we definitely know we live in an over caffeinated world when there's like calf in every Star Wars book you read now. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and that drops uh, it says it drops Saturday, but my copy's coming tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've been getting things early. I just got my Sith Trooper Black Series early. So nice. Very pumped yeah, about that. So um, we'll definitely have to do a, a book review or books one of those in a couple weeks. Yeah. Very fun. Um, yeah, it's a prequel to The Rise of Skywalker. So um, I think it says like a integral like prequel or something like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's the first one. Yeah, it's the first one in the journey to The Rise of Skywalker, which they had those lines before the last two movies. Mm -hmm. Like they had the journey to The Force Awakens and the journey to The Last Jedi. Yeah. And those were enjoyable reads too. I I got all Mm -hmm. those for the other movies and um, they were a lot of fun and insightful and sort of let you know who you're dealing with. And occasionally heartbreaking, but um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, final news item. Uh, we all watched the walkthrough for Vader Immortal Episode 2. Um, we all just decided to watch it, see if there's any new story or, or kind of lore that's brought up in there that we could talk about on the show. Um, I didn't get a lot. I, I loved the gameplay. I thought it was yeah. astonishing. I thought it was just so amazing that you could use the Force now, and that's yeah. awesome. But uh, and I, I loved some of the set-piece moments. Uh, obviously, the characters, the Black Bishop, um, the Mustafarians, uh, just I yeah, great character design, um, really really fun storytelling, immersive storytelling. But uh, I didn't I didn't take a lot of notes from it per se, but I thought the visuals were stunning. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I mean, it, it sold me on the game more than the first part. Like I, I wanted to play this more than I wanted to play the first chapter. Um, the first episode, I do love the dual wielding that you can use the force in one hand and lightsaber in the other. Like that just seemed amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. After Skyrim, you, you can't do anything else. You have to. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think about the, the not lightsaber, but light sword? Light sword. I thought that was a nice distinction that they made there. And, um, you know, it's it looks. You know, it has a hilt on it. Um, I really like the sort of way that they twisted metal around where the light beam emits from. Yeah. Um, it was cool. It was a, a more elegant uh, weapon for a more civilized age, <laughs> perhaps. Um, yeah. And yeah, and again, sort of leaning, getting out of the, um, you know, katanas of the Far East and more towards, I don't know where even this would go. Like where there's, you know, you know these sort of swords would even come from, but it's, it's almost like edged into fantasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but, we had our uh, long, de- <laughs> I feel like this weekend we had a long debate about the usage of the, lot, the word laser sword in, in, in the movies, uh, which we won't get into, but uh, I was like, well, we can call them swords. Like, I don't mind it just being called a sword. And when, when this, was, when this uh, weapon was referred to light sword, I loved that. I thought that was just... But it felt yeah. very mystical and uh, enchanting. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of tough to even recognize how what a cool space you're in because it's just like you're still like dungeon crawling and you're moving room to room. Um, but uh, is everything okay over there? There's sort of like a. 
<laughs> it sounds like Adam is like dragging a trash can across the floor. No, it was um, a trash. It may be my dog scratching. Oh, okay, copy. <laughs> um, so yeah, they. Uh, I don't know. It's it's such a cool place, and I wish it was, you could sort of appreciate this. Like you're underneath this like temple and the bowels of Mustafar, and you know, chasing down all this lore and um, you know, chasing down the ghosts of all these old people. But I mean, it it pushes forward um vader's story as he searches for you know to bring someone back from the dead um we see we i mean we learn something about the black bishop i don't know if we want to spoil that here but um i don't know i'm gonna um he's yeah. the you know he he was he was the person that was brought back from the dead but he he didn't quite make it and he's halfway between worlds um that might pay off later with uh Darcidius or um something else or Maybe there's the, you know, Padme Amidala between worlds, which, you know, could be crazy. Um, you know, we, we don't know how this is going to go. It could tell a very important and interesting story. Um, but we know this is what Vader's doing. But yeah, I mean, yeah. this is an action-y part of this thing. And yes. you go yeah. through some rooms and you learn how to use the Force. And um, and you fight a dark ghast. Oh, oh, oh is that right. what that was called? <laughs> yeah, just Google it. That's the four-armed rancor. It's called a dark ghast. Yeah, I was going to say it's a forearm rancor, but yeah. uh, I, I just figured when they got super big, they just grew another pair of arms or something. Um, yeah, well, that was frightening. And um, I can imagine that in like a 3D space. It's not something I'd want to run into. All right. Yeah. You know, in a virtual reality space. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool, though. Uh, it looks super fun to play. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, and the Lady Corvac's backstory, all that stuff about, uh, uh, about Mustafar is super interesting uh very compelling uh love love hearing love to hear more about that cool, uh, cool. and that is hollow net headlines <laughs> excellent uh, and this is the segment where we talk about the comics uh this week we had two come out we had dr afro number 37 and star wars number 72 uh all right you want to start with uh, dr afro Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. This is uh, a new beginning of a new uh, plot. It's called A Rogue's End, Part One, by Spurrier, Wingard, Laridge, Karamanga, and Witter. And uh, here's my short little summary. So, after last issue's exploits, Dr. Afra and her ward are co- conscripted into the Empire's archaeological core, where she, she's tasked with helping to find the secret rebel base. In constant fear of dying at the gloves of Lord Vader, Afra schemes to make herself indispensable, uh, plus a blast from her past. Love it. Love it. I, I really love this comic, actually. Mm-hmm. There's so many great parts of it from, like, the first scene, which is, like, in, you know, from the first scene to, like, where she is regularly. Like, seeing her conscripted into this archaeological core in, like, regular scientist outfit is yeah. like it, it's kind of shocking and amazing and like it reminded me of like a Doonesbury comic I, I don't know it was just sort of yeah. funny how she was just like drinking coffee and being miserable like in an office yes. situation which is right. like very human and yet very alien to uh, her character in all of its other facets so I love that and then um you know just Afra being Afra this this is kind of my favorite flavor of Afra conspiring sort of playing off of Vader and you know dodging her fears sort of in in full like fight or flight yeah yeah it's also funny like the humor in this issue is is really great like just her constantly getting shocked um yeah that was, really, 
That was a good bit. And but I ears yeah. of all people. Yeah. Right. And speaking of veers, it, I don't know why. I don't generally laugh out loud at comics, but I was literally sitting in my office tonight reading it, and I just went, Wah! and it was, uh, it was, uh, veers. yeah, Maximilian, and you should have changed your name to Maximilian Stays on Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that went over my head at first, and then I was like, that's the best joke I've ever I know, seen. I had to go back and look at it, like, Stays on, oh, veers, I get it. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a triple entendre, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good bit. Yeah, it's also the, always the best Afro when she's the smartest character in the room, too. And she is clearly the smartest character in the room. And, and, and that's why we get the shock. <laughs> they constantly shock her for outsmarting everyone. Yeah. And I just love that, that, that you know, she is a, a wise ass and super brilliant and super snarky. And they play that up throughout the issue. I mean, Spurrier plays it up so well. But that underlying, like, feeling of dread and fear, like, that the facts it starts yeah. with a nightmare. Like, I just think it's so interesting mixing those two emotions together. Yeah. This is how I want the Afro movie to start, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't like it when a movie starts in a dream sequence. Like, it's my probably my least favorite way for a movie to start. But this dream sequence just felt so right. And talking about J.J. getting that, that tingling, you know, that, yeah. that chill when something feels so right. It's like... I would not mind if her yeah. if that movie opened with Vader killing her. Her, her getting spaced. Yeah. And then freeze frame. I know. You're wondering how I got here. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. No, no, no not so much. None of, the, none of the other conventional <laughs> stuff that occurs after that. But um, no, I, but I like the idea right there. Yeah. Would be great. Um, I stopped her. Uh, the. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, just he's like instantly is like that's obviously an isopter uh center isopter um what did she call it a temple a death shrine oh yes. death shrine yeah it's just an isopter death shrine and whatever and it totally was like offhandedly like you see the like arrested isopters like being pulled out of their shrine yeah um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was funny <laughs> i think the coolest part of this episode is that they're dealing with what they call operation swarm which is what we see at the beginning of empire strikes back, which is like, they're like just hundreds of thousands of probe droids being released into the galaxy, um, to try and hunt down the rebel base. But then we, we see this archeologic archeologists, um, who's leading the group before Afra, uh, you know, has his ulterior motives where it's just like, Oh, this is the best research project that's ever happened in, in the galaxy. And, uh, I mean, that, that just makes so much sense. It's yeah. just like, you know, you get scientists just being like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm working for the worst, you know, military, you know, uh, empire ever. But it like, at least, you know, I have my motives and we're going to get some science out of this thing. And, um, you know, we're going to utilize their resources to do this cool thing. Yeah. And that's such a great, like, it's such a great angle to take on this activity. And then like such an amazing place to drop Afra in. I mean, more and more, she's becoming the Forrest Gump of this of you know the star wars <laughs> trilogy like she's really close to the action and correct me if i'm wrong but is does that kind of place this series like neck and neck with the star yes. wars series all right i was gonna bring that up they're running concurrently which is interesting considering the fact that the star wars series is ending in a few issues yeah um so and i think we've talked about it. my guess is they're gonna jump ahead they're gonna reintroduce star wars to something else and probably jump ahead post uh return of the jedi would be my guess Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Dr. Afra continues on in the timeline kind of taking place between, uh, you know, between Empire and Jedi. 
right and where she was if she makes it out alive can i give you a little uh can i do a little academia for you for a second that i really i really loved about this so the fact that he is using these resources to do his own research is one of the most true to academia things i've ever seen because (laughs) like i'll give you just a quick example if you're doing if you're getting hired to do like a survey uh, of students um, and this is usually more above board than what he's doing. You will 100% like they may be interested in five questions. That's all they're interested in asking the students these five questions. But to have you do it, you kind of argue, you kind of negotiate to be able to add, I don't know, like 150 other questions that you're really interested in. <laughs> so I just read that. I'm like, yeah, that's totally what an academic would do. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Just be like, oh, I just want to learn about stuff. Yeah, I awesome. want to know everything. Yeah. And already you sort of get the sense like, well, actually, you know, it gives some credence to Afra's doctor acumen. Like she she actually is a pretty good archaeologist. She's seen a lot of the galaxy. I mean, and by a lot of the galaxy, I mean, it's relative, but it's still a lot more than these, you know, people that we've seen. Yeah. 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 Well, she learned a lot from a close family member of hers Mm. that we meet at the very end of this issue. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if we want to spoil that, but um, it's uh, quite a twist. Why don't we not pivotal, spoil it? pivotal pivotal family member? Coming yeah, back we'll uh, we'll talk about it. I'm sure it'll be a big part of the next issue, so we'll talk about it then. All right. I love. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a great, a uh, great issue. Yeah. Uh, never disappoints, Doctor Afro. Uh, all right. You want to move on to Star Wars seventy two? Yes. Do it. All right. Rebels and Rogues Part Five by Pack Noto and Cowles. Um, so here's the short summary. The gang is on three separate missions. On K-43, 3PO translates for Vader while Chewie tries to disarm the, the detonators they previously set up. Meanwhile, on Sergia, Luke seeks mentorship from Warba, an orphan of Jedha. And then finally, on Lance Corpa, or Carpo, I should say, Leia works with Dar Champion to help enact his plan while Han runs into trouble with the local authorities. Yeah. Perfect. Interesting. <laughs> yeah um i'll start off for a second i does anyone else keep waiting for a weird interaction between 3po and vader yes in, and in it, this i mean yeah. in this I mean, well have they ever i mean the, the last episode they didn't really communicate right no i don't think so i think we saw them coming down but i don't think or we saw him maybe revealed but i don't think we saw interaction but there was interesting tension in that scene right having them Mm -hmm. both in the same scene together because they're Mm -hmm. not sort of friendly and like have this thing like do you think anakin knows who that is i I don't yeah i think he thinks it's just i mean there's a lot of protocol droids wandering around the the galaxy i mean he calls c-3po droid droid yeah Droid, tell me about your people. He even thinks that he yeah. is uh, he is with the, the, oh, the, with the residents yeah, the of people. Yeah, the rock people. I also love how much he refers to Vader's Lord Vader. Like, that's etiquette and protocol right there. <laughs> like, yeah. Sergio knows what to do, how to talk. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. But yeah, I keep waiting for that Macbeth moment or something. Like, Yeah. I don't know. Pretty interesting. But you're right. I think it makes sense that they wouldn't that he wouldn't know. And we know that 3PO had his memory erased, so it makes sense that he doesn't know, but yeah, well, it makes that's sense. Good point too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, not that he there's... would be able to glean that that was Anakin under there. Well, there's that Shakespearean uh, illustration of Vader holding C3PO's head on Cloud City. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. I think, I think it's from a Legends comic. I think it's from okay. a short comic um, yeah. that actually shows him. Yeah, flashing back. 
But this is just as good. I mean, this is great. Yeah. I love this encounter uh, between Vader and Tupio. Yeah, I mean, but that's it's tough with this this series. I like it. I love all the stories, but because there's three concurrent stories happening, it's like it kind of all they always feel like nothing burgers. Like they never really go anywhere. It's like it almost starts to do a thing, and this is one where it's like, well, you had those interactions, and then he's gonna do something, and then as soon as like you're like, oh, oh, and then it's like, you know, all right, you have to wait for the next episode. Yeah, yeah. This this is like this issue felt like the catch your breath breath issue, and it kind of felt like. Yep. There's some stagnation on uh, in all three of the storylines, except for that. I would say that the the uh, Chewbacca and C-3PO storyline. I thought that the Vader stuff was good, but um, right, yeah. But I did think Luke's story was a bit dull. Uh, kind of just meandered. It was kind of uh, it was just Warba and Luke getting to know each other a little bit more. We got Warba's backstory for the first uh, first time now, and um, he realized he's duped. You know, he, yeah. He, He's he's still the dumb farm boy, but I think he realizes that he's been duped by this person. Yeah, it's not, yeah. right. Well, she not she who can he use wants the force, to. right? I mean, like we see we see sand, yeah, moving around in these kind of clouds, like she's moving it with the force. Yeah. We learned she came from Jedha. That was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we saw. Remember, she tried. She used the force to pull the lightsaber towards her, and he but he pulled it away from her because he's obviously stronger. That's right. Yeah. And she's like, I can tell you're. I mean, she's so she's above Chirrutimwe, but. Certainly, she's like I can tell you're unrealistically like strong in the force, like so she could she yeah. can come too, which I think you need to be a force force wielder to know. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm a massive fan of this choice. I I feel like when Luke pulls the saber in the Wampa Cave, that's like the first time he's ever kind of actualized. Okay. He's ever kind of figured out that the force can can be more than just you know. Thoughts. I agree. Uh, that's kind of where I was always at, but I don't know. I mean, but he was he was you know half frozen to death, and you know frozen to a ceiling, and like you know can ba- barely coherent, and is trying to use the force to save his life. So sure. I, mean, I, sure. you know, I was like something he. I mean, at least he knew he could do it, but um, you could see. And, and I have to think that they read into that minutia before they even make this choice. So like I, I, yeah. I think they're totally fine with making this choice. I just feel yeah. like as a viewer of the films and as a primarily as a moviegoer and a, and a film uh, a person who adheres to the film canon and things like that i feel like um that i feel like that was a kind of that was a big juncture in in luke's learning and progression and that was kind of it was kind of the first time he's ever seen the force actualized yeah. Yeah. i agree it doesn't it doesn't break canon but it does break my head canon a yeah. little bit <laughs> right yeah yeah cool and then on to uh lance carpo um Bumbling Han and Leia, scheming Leia. Leia. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Han bumbles into certain death, and that's that. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be reductive, but I think, you know, Grant kind of mentioned earlier, but I'll use my phrase. It's just moving chess pieces, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah. one, it's, it's, one and, space which is, time, yeah. I mean, and this would usually be the penultimate issue, right? In a, in a, because usually a lot of their arcs run six, but I think this one goes eight. So I oh, feel like cool. because of that, it's a little more, I was going to say bloated, but I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way, but it's larger, right? So, so th- when we're used to this building to kind of a, kind of a climax or beginning of a climax in issue five, we're actually still got three issues to go, right? So we're, we're still kind of right in the middle of it. So it's, it is what it is. It's, it's moving. I wonder how much, and I never know with this behind the scenes stuff. I wonder how much of this was, they realized they're going to end it. They realized they need to get to a certain number of issues and they asked, 
um, Greg Pack to have to pad out this tale a little bit. Um, which, for if this is true, for padding out episode or issue, it's not bad. Like, they got some good character moments in there. Yeah, right. I mean, it wouldn't kill him to just, like, maybe only concentrate on two stories for an episode or just, you know, I mean, especially. I really thought we were going to get that. Like, I keep getting surprised when it's not the first, when it changes to the second story. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, yeah. Uh, quick background. I was able to Google and find out that the the comic we're talking about where Vader encounters 3PO's skull on Cloud City is from Star Wars Tale number six and from 2000, December 20th, 2000. That was the old Dark Horse run. Yeah, that always that that image always stuck with me. Yeah, yes, yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, we did it. That's it. And uh, next week, just a quick look ahead. We got three comics next week. Uh, nice. We got. Uh, let's see. We're gonna have Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple number three. Uh, we're gonna have Target Vader number four, and the one that I'm most excited about. Um, Star uh, the journey to the Skywalker journey to the rise of Skywalker allegiance number one. Ooh, cool! Yeah, yeah. So a prequel comic, or you know, prequel to episode eight or nine. Right, sequel prequel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna collect all the uh, live action covers for that. All, all the film stills. Nice, oh, nice, nice, awesome. Well, great. Um, thanks very much, everyone, for listening to us again this week. Uh, we really appreciate you doing so. Um, and we will talk to you next week um, as we crawl towards the rise of Skywalker. Um, 77 and days. Lot, yeah. And a lot more content coming our way. Um, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. So um, thanks very much again. And uh, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the force will be with you always. Oh! <laughs>